Guys, it is now time I'm going to get into the sermon portion of our service this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I hope you do. It may not be possible, but if you have your Bibles there, open up to Acts chapter number 28. And by the grace of God, I'm going to preach a sermon to you called, oh dear, I thought I downloaded this one. Give me just a second. I'm going to give you the title for this sermon here. There it is, Surviving the Serpents. Um, I think you already saw that, though, when you logged on. I, I believe I put that as the title of, the, of this YouTube entry. So I'm going to preach about Surviving the Serpents and very practical thought from this uh, story. We're just going to read the first six verses here of Acts chapter 28. And uh, I've, I've heard and seen several sermons on this. It lends itself to, uh, to some, I want to say, illustrative sermons. You can illustrate this very easily. I'm going to keep it real simple and practical this morning. The Bible says, Acts 28, verse 1. And guys, if you don't mind me doing this, I, I know I've been pre preaching through 2 Thessalonians, and we had made it to chapter 3. I'm going to hold off until we can get back to assembling together, and I will continue with that series, just so you know why we're doing something different this morning. All right, Acts chapter 28, verse 1. It says, and when they were escaped... Paul had just uh, suffered a shipwreck in the chapter before. Uh, 200 and, what is it, 76 people all, in all, they made it to, to, the, to land. Then they knew that the island was called Melita. Verse 2, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. Now, barbarous, <clears throat> you might have a picture in your mind of, you know, men uh, covered in grease and grass skirts and long beards and, you know, barbarians. The word barbarian or barbarous in, in the Bible is not meant only for people that are uncivilized, but rather people that have a strange language and you're not, you're not able to communicate with them. So I believe that's what we're dealing with here. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, which is a fancy way of saying they showed us big kindness. For they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, <clears throat> there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live." Don't you hate it when something happens in your life and it's not your fault and people jump to conclusions about you? Verse 5, it says, And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Now that's going to be the heart of my sermon. Verse 5, he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Verse 6, Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. All right, Father, please help us this morning as we attempt to learn some very practical things from this passage. Please speak to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you've already ministered to my heart with these songs that we got to listen to. Lord, I'm so glad this morning that when we are cast down and our soul cries out, Oh my, what are we going to do that, God, you are greater than our fears? I thank you, Lord, that you know my name. Oh, Lord, what a blessing that you take such personal and intimate knowledge of us and time for us. Thank you. Please help us now as we enter into the Word of God. Please speak to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Guys, this passage, I got my notes here, so I'm going to have to kind of cheat back and forth a little bit. Uh, this passage, a lot of people have used to uh, when they're talking about Mark chapter 16. I don't know if you're familiar there, but Jesus talked about the apostles going out with their ministry, and he said they shall take up serpents. Now, of course, Paul, when he goes to this fire, he is not looking to, it's not his intention to take up a serpent, uh, but he certainly did, even by accident, uh, take up this serpent. So a lot of people see this as a, a fulfillment of what Jesus had said in Mark 16, and it very well could be. This might have been exactly what Jesus had in mind. Now, rather than deal with the uh, doctrinal side of it or the historical side, because the history of it is quite clear. You, you read it just like I did now. So there's not a lot I need to add to the, the story historically or even doctrinally. 
I want to look at this in a very practical way because Paul survived this serpent. And I think there are some practical lessons and practical thoughts that we might be able to gather from this passage on how we can survive the serpents that uh, find us as we go about our business, go about our lives. Sometimes these kind of things are going to happen. How do we survive the serpents? So first thing I want to talk about, and uh, these are very simple observations that we learn from the passage. Point one, serpents happen. Serpents happen. Uh, Paul, he wasn't looking for a serpent, but it happened. It happened. Guys, this is part of life. And sometimes, right, we, we kind of get tunnel vision. If a serpent jumps out of the pile of sticks and grabs us, we think it must be God. It must be the devil. And sometimes life doesn't give us a simple answer like that. Sometimes it's a little more complex. Let me give you some options. Sometimes a serpent will happen. You understand when I say serpent, I'm not talking about the literal slung, right? I think that's the Afrikaans for serpent. Uh, I'm talking about whatever the problem, whatever the tragedy, whatever the sickness, the disease, the disaster, the divorce, the debt, whatever. Sometimes these things are just going to spring up in your life out of nowhere and even try to attach themselves to you. And you say, man, why is this happening? And I want to give you, you can't just jump to the conclusion that it had to have been from this or that. There's a few options, a few options. Number one, sometimes the serpents of life happen because you did something wrong. It was your fault. It was your fault. We have a case of this in, in Numbers chapter 21. You might remember the people of Israel were complaining about the manna that God was providing. And strangely enough, they say, we have no bread that was their complaint. We have no bread, and our soul loatheth, we hate, this light bread that he's given us, referring to the manna. Well, isn't that strange? We have no bread, and we hate the bread he's provided. So you do have bread. It's, it's interesting how we exaggerate the problems of life sometimes. We make them to be much worse in our minds than they actually are. But that was completely their fault. The re what happened, rather, if I can finish that story, they're complaining about the bread, and then God, as a result of their complaining and not, appreciation, uh, not appreciating what God had done, not being thankful, God sent fiery serpents among the people. And when they bit the people, they would die. And then, of course, God commanded Moses, make a brazen serpent, and if any man you know, put it on a pole, if any man looks to that serpent, he lives. And later on, Jesus would say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, even when it is the serpents of life are your fault and God has to punish you, praise God, there is a way to be redeemed, to be reconciled. There's a way to repair the damage that has been done. But sometimes those serpents came into your life because of something you did. It was your fault. I uh, saw recently some, and maybe you've heard of this, there are some uh, people of a Pentecostal persuasion, not all Pentecostals believe this, mind you, but some, they really emphasize that one part from Mark chapter 16 where Jesus said, you take up serpents. And they think that in order to prove that they are saved, they step into a pit filled with snakes and, and start picking them up. And they say, you see, we're, we're in this apostolic line. Now, I think they're grossly misunderstanding that passage in Mark. You don't see, as the apostles went through the book of Acts, you don't see them grabbing snakes and you know picking them up to prove they are in the line of the apostles or to prove that they're you know commissioned by Christ to be in the ministry. So there's a lot of issues with what they're doing. But I read recently of one of those Pentecostals, he got a pastor, got in there, grabbed one of those snakes. Well, the snake ended up grabbing him. And listen, it's a tragedy that he died. He did. He, he dropped dead right there in the service. But, but listen, that's his fault. That's his fault. I, I'm not saying it's not sad. And my heart goes out to him and his family. But my goodness, you can't say it any other way. That's his fault. And sometimes these serpents, these problems of life, rather than complain about him, you need to just own it that, hey, this was my fault. I did it. Say, man, pastor, I'm struggling. I am in deep in debt. Pastor, I'm staring down the face of a divorce. Things are not good with my marriage. 
Pastor, you know, I lost my job. I got fired. Now, listen, I, I know that these stories are always complex, right? It's never simple stuff. But it could be that you're in deep debt because you just spent too much, because you didn't use much wisdom with your money. It could be that the reason you're staring down a divorce is because you're a jerk. Simple as that. Maybe you weren't a good husband, a good wife. It might, you might need to consider that option. You might have brought that serpent into your life. You say, I got fired. Maybe you should have done a better job. Now, listen, I know it's not always your fault. I get it. Sometimes your boss is the one that's the problem. I get it. But you might want to just do a little self-examination and say, did I bring this serpent upon myself? Now, not all serpents come because you did something wrong. Sometimes a serpent can find its way into your life and fasten itself onto your hand and become an issue because of something right that you did. It could be that. <coughs> so sorry. You might remember back there in the book of Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, he slithers into the garden. I say slithers, forgive me. He walked into the garden. He slithered out. That was part of his punishment. But he walks into that garden and starts talking to Eve. It's not because Eve had done something wrong. It's not because Adam had done something wrong. The serpent's approaching them because they were made in the image of God. He's approaching Eve because she is upright, righteous. She has true holiness. And that's why the devil is doing what he's doing there, that old serpent, the devil. And even into the New Testament, Paul uses that same idea. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, I fear lest some of you, maybe you're going to be beguiled by that serpent, just like Eve was, and your mind is going to be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. That church, a great number of those people in that city, in Corinth, had just found the Lord Jesus as their Savior, and they're starting to walk with God and learn all these precious new truths. And it's not because they're doing something wrong, but because they're doing something right that the serpent slithered in and into that town and brought some false preachers with him and were trying to confuse them. So sometimes the problems, whatever they are, doctrinal, practical, job, marriage, whatever it is, it could be that these things are happening because you did something right. If you have any doubts about that, ask Job. Ask Job. Not because he had done anything wrong. The Lord is actually the one that turned to that old serpent, the devil, and said, have you, have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him, an upright man. He loves God. He eschews evil. He hates it. And the devil was allowed, under God's permission, there was a bit of a testing that went on there. He said, why did those problems happen? He listen, you talk about a bad day. You talk about a, a serpent jumping out of the fire, a venomous beast hanging on to Job. Man, that stung. That hurt. It knocked the proverbial wind out of Job for a while, but not because he'd done something wrong, because he'd done something right. Now, listen, sometimes the serpents happen because you did something wrong. Sometimes because you did something right. Listen to this. Sometimes serpents happen because you just did. You say, did I do wrong? Did I do right? Nope. You're just alive. You're just human. And that's why the serpent happened. Sometimes it happened because that's how life goes. Sometimes accidents happen. Let me show you a verse here in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 11. The Bible says here, surely, the serpent will bite without enchantment. And a babbler is no better. Now, a babbler, you don't have to say anything to him. A babbler, you don't even have to say, hello, how are you? He'll just come up and start talking and he won't stop talking, right? You don't, you don't need to provoke him. That's just by his nature. A babbler is going to go on and on. He needs no help getting started. And he needs a lot of help getting stopped, but he, there is no end to his words. Well, the serpent is no better. See, that serpent, you can. I mean, people do enchant, right? They play, little, they play on their little flute, make them dance, and a lot of those guys get bit. But you don't have to play a flute. You don't have to play those special instruments. You don't have to tease the serpent. That serpent doesn't need enchantment. It doesn't need provocation. A serpent will will hide, and then as you pass by, just shoom, jump out at you. You say, why? Because it's a serpent. That's its nature. That's what serpents do. They bite. They bite. Sometimes life bites. It just happens. Accidents. 
You say, Brother Mike, accidents? Absolutely. Look at what the Bible says here. In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, Solomon noticed this. He says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. Now, under normal circumstances, we would expect that the strong man would win the battle, that the fast man would win the race, that the wise man would have plenty of bread, that the, the, the intelligent people would have riches. But it doesn't always happen like that. Say, why? Time and chance happeneth to them all. It just wasn't his time. You were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And where we might say accident, the Bible says chance. It's just a chance that happened. Verse 12, for man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of man snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. You can't predict it. You didn't provoke it. There was no enchantment. You were not asking for this. It just happened. Guys, that's life. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And you need to know that sometimes serpents happen. This is part of surviving the serpent. It's part of surviving these problems of life because you might get it in your head that these things keep happening. It's always a punishment from God or the devil's always attacking me. You know, I'm always doing what's right, but yet the devil's always trying to get me down. Sometimes you need to just understand, listen, I didn't do anything to get this, but it's here. It's here. Also, when you, you don't want to jump to conclusions about other people. Say, man, he keeps going through it. He must be. See, that's what the barbarians did with Paul. He got bit. Oh, he must be a murderer. Well, don't jump to conclusions. I mean, you, it's fine to have that assumption. You say, well, something bad happened. Maybe he did something wrong. That's, that's, part of, that's just human rationale kicking in. But don't come to a final conclusion based on one little part of the story. Sometimes serpents happen just because, well, you're alive. It's part of it. I remember one day I was at home. I was growing up in, in Texas. It was, I must have been 14, 15. And my sister reached down. There was a, it looked like a, a string had fallen on the floor, and it was right next to the wall where the carpet met the wall. And she went, reached down to pick up that string. And when she picked it up, Ooh, she let out a banshee scream. Wah! I'm, whoo, it, it scared my spirit out of my body, and the room came back. It was bad. I thought some, you know, that, that someone had gotten in the house. I, whoo, the worst things came through my head. I, I turned around. She was panicked. She was freaking out. She threw down what she thought was a string and just stood there screaming and shaking, and my dad ran out of the other room. And said, what is it? What is it? And she said, it's a snake. Now, listen, guys, that snake was about this big. It wasn't very big, just a little baby one, garden snake probably. Not even poisonous, but hey, when you are, Pam must have been, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, and you pick up a snake and you think it's a string, you think it's something innocent, you're not expecting something bad to happen, serpents happen. Serpents happen. They just pop into your life unexpected, unannounced, and there it is. And then you got to deal with it. Now, Pam, she was in no state to deal with it. So if I remember correctly, my dad went out into the, into the garage and got a hammer and came back in the, in the room and he dealt with it. Amen. He, got, he, got, he took care of that. But we sometimes get this idea that all the circumstances of our life are orchestrated by God. And I want to caution you about that. That's the reason I'm including this in this sermon. Serpents happen. It doesn't mean that God brought every serpent into your life. Would we dare say that God deployed the devil to the Garden of Eden and said, go deceive my people? I, I, I can't bring myself to teach that. To say that God, people sometimes say there are no accidents in life. God makes it all happen. Mm, boy, be careful about that. Now, let me, let me try to paint the, the full picture here. God can use any circumstance in our life. It doesn't mean that God made that circumstance turn out that way. It doesn't mean that he ordained it to happen that way. 
So by all means, man's goings are of the Lord. As we go and things happen, times and chances happen in our life, God can direct us through it. And certainly God can put certain roadblocks in our lives and and he can bring some challenges into our lives that helps shape us by all means. Sometimes it is a punishment we need to straighten us out and get us back where we need to be. But it would be a mistake to say that God orchestrates every venomous moment that has taken place in our lives. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes the enemy attacks because we're doing right. Sometimes it just happens. But whatever the cause of the serpent coming into your life, know this, that God will be there to help you get through that circumstance. God will be there to help you take care of that serpent in whatever way it needs to be taken care of. That brings me to the next thing we can notice in this passage here. Let me bring you back to Acts chapter 28. And this is just a general observation from this passage. Uh, Paul has just come out of the Mediterranean Sea. He's cold, he's wet. These barbarians, they had built him a, these natives, they built him a fire. Everybody's being friendly. Everything's good. Nobody's angry at each other. Nobody's looking for problems. Paul is trying to be a productive member of the group. He's trying to help. Verse 3, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. What's he trying to do? He's just trying to be a blessing. He's trying to pull his weight, do his part. There came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, point two, as you can see below me, point two, stay positive. Stay positive. How are we going to survive the serpents of life? These venomous situations that attach themselves to us without any provocation from us. Well, number one, you need to understand, may not have been your fault, maybe it's just life. Through it all, God's gonna give you direction, help you get through it. But number two, you need to have the right attitude going into, going into these situations. You need to have the right attitude, not only after the snake bites you, but even before the snake bites you. Paul was not looking for trouble, was he? And see, what I'm doing is I'm actually taking something that's not in verse 3. Paul did not go to the sticks going, I know there's going to be a snake in the sticks. And I know one of them's going to bite me. And I know this is not going to turn out well. Paul did not have that attitude. Do you think Paul was ignorant of the fact that sometimes snakes can hide in sticks? I'm sure Paul, he, he'd gotten around quite a bit. He's not a dumb-dumb. He knows that snakes can jump out of sticks. When I was a young man, my uncle, when I was out on the farm, he told me, watch out, snakes like to hide in there. So as Paul would often say to the churches to whom he wrote, brethren, be not ignorant, right? I will not that you be ignorant, brethren. Paul, listen, I'm not asking you to be ignorant of the potential dangers of life. We know that serpents could and might happen. They might happen to you today, but you can't live paralyzed by fear that there is a serpent in every bundle of sticks you want to pick up. There's a big difference between recognizing the possibility and worrying about it to the point that everything in your life is negative. You just know, I know if I pick up these sticks, a serpent's going to bite me. You can't have that attitude. If, if that's the attitude you have, listen, you've already succumbed to the attack of the serpent. He doesn't even have to bite you. He's already done his job. He's paralyzed you. Now you live in complete fear of what might happen. And you got such a bad attitude that life hardly is worth living. It's hardly worth going on. You know, it's hard to fellowship with some folks like that because no matter what you bring up, no matter what constructive thing you're trying to do, Paul's trying to build a fire that will help uh, dozens of people stay warm. Hundreds in this case, actually. He's trying to be a blessing. Sometimes we're just trying to get something done, and then there's always that one or two or maybe 10 people. All they can do is talk about, yeah, but what about this going wrong, that going wrong? Listen, it's one thing to bring to our attention that certain things might happen. But my goodness, when we're talking about, look at what God's done, look at what God's done, there's always that one that says, yeah, but what about this going bad and that going bad? Man, stay positive. 
There are plenty of negative things that are going to happen. Do we have to focus on those negative things? It's hard to fellowship with people when every single conversation, somehow they're going to slip a complaint into it. They're going to talk about, yeah, they go to the sticks looking for a serpent. They go to pick up one bundle of sticks. They're going to you know, put the sticks on the fire, so they say. They'll pick up that bundle of sticks, look in the sticks. If there's no serpent, they put the sticks back down and go find a different bundle of sticks and pick that one up because there's a serpent in it. They like the trouble because now they have something to gripe about. My goodness, guys, if, if you are going to use the better part of your life looking for faults, right? you're going to have one sad life. Stay positive. Stay positive. I almost named this point, stay realistically optimistic. I thought that might be overkilling it, so I chose stay positive. There's something to be said for having a positive outlook, a positive attitude. You know what? The, can I give you the biblical word for this? Hope. You need hope. I remember when I was a young man, I was about, what, 11, 12? I was in sixth grade. At that time, I was a bit chubby. I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a bit chubby. I for years, I've told you I was big and fat. I, I, I must admit, I kind of exaggerated just for the sake of the story. But I was chubby. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. And one day, we were at a track and field meet for our school. So we were competing against other schools. And it's all supposed to be for fun. Our school was supposed to run in the, I think it was the 440, 440 yards. So what is that in meters? About 400 meters, something like that. So it's a four-man relay. Well, <laughs> One of, the, one of the young men got hurt and they needed a replacement. Everybody else was busy with some other uh, athletic event. I was the only option. And here's chubby old Mike Flick. Oh man, I, I started waving my hand. I can run, I can run. And I kid you not, all three of the, of the runners that were on the team, they were on the field. They all put their head down and went, oh no. I could hear even in the crowd, you could hear some of the moms and dads with this kind of a collective sigh going, oh man, because their kids have been working hard, training hard, trying to win this race. And now here comes Chubby Mike. Oh boy. Kind of makes me sound like a DJ, right? Chubby Mike, DJ Chubby Mike. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> so down I come onto the field and I'm, I'm stretching and I'm trying to ignore what everybody else is saying. I felt oh so demoralized because they, Forget the fact that maybe these other three guys can run so fast they can make up for what I can't do. And to be honest, I wasn't that slow. I might have been able to, to do all right. But it's so demoralizing when everybody around you is negative. When every bundle of sticks they look into, there's a serpent, there's a serpent. There. Okay, listen, we know serpents can live in sticks. We get it. You don't have to go looking for them. Stay positive. Try to look for the bright side. Try to look for it. Have a little hope. Have a little faith. Thank God, as I got down on the field and was stretching, the kid that was supposed to run, he had, I think he had rolled his ankle. He stumbled out onto the field, limped out onto the field and said, I'll run anyway. And everybody started cheering for him. <laughs> I felt so bad. Now, I cheered for him as well because man, I really didn't want to run by that point. But it is hard. Life is hard enough. It is, not, it is made even more exponentially more difficult when you and everybody around you has a negative attitude. I wasn't negative <clears throat> as I came down out of the stands. I was going to do my best. But when everybody around me was negative, wow, that brought me down quickly. You know what we need? <clears throat> I'm so sorry. What we need as a church is to have a nice positive attitude where we're not ignorant that there are going to be some serpents in the sticks. But listen, as you come to church, you don't need to go looking for the serpents. When a serpent presents itself, like my dad, we'll go get a hammer and fix that. We'll take care of it. But we don't need to come looking for reasons to be negative. Stay positive, man. Stay positive. There are so many illustrations that, that came to my mind as I was preparing for this sermon. And rather than use them, because I don't want to step on anybody else's toes with this, I'm going to use one from my own life. 
But you know, I get up to preach, and after the sermon's done, it's this has been my habit for years. I come down out of the pulpit, and even though there are amens here and people, you know, at the end they raise their hand, I want to get saved, I want to get right, whatever it is, I'll go home and I, I, I'll tell you the one person that didn't respond. I can talk about the two or three people that didn't come to church that probably needed that message. I can tell you the, the statements that I made, you know, some sentences that I slipped in that, uh, you know, that came out wrong. And I pick that thing to pieces. I overanalyze it. You say, Brother Mike, that's because you're a perfectionist. Well, let's get this right here. Let's get this straight. I was. Do you think God, could, do you think people can change? You think God can help people change? I know he's helped me change. I know that's how I used to be. And listen, from time to time, that does swell up in me. I get it. But I nowadays can recognize when it is. And I know, listen, for a while, I didn't want to get out of bed in the mornings. Because every morning when I woke up, that same attitude I had about preaching, where all I could do was find the mistakes. All I could do was see the one downside. Sorry, something flying there. All I could do was see the one downside, the one person who wasn't there, the one person who didn't amen. That's all I could see was the serpent in the sticks. That's it. I was looking for it. That same attitude started to leak into the rest of my life. And I woke up every day going, you know what? Today is going to be horrible because yesterday was just absolutely horrible. And every part of my life is just horrible. You know why? Because that's all I was looking for. Paul did not go looking for the serpent in the sticks. Paul was looking for a way to be a blessing. Did he know that serpents could be in sticks? Yes, he's not stupid. He's not ignorant. But my goodness, he got on with life. He had a little bit of hope. And I thank God so much that this is something he's given me a lot of victory on. For the last couple of years, I don't come home overly concerned about the sermon. Listen, I did the best I could. That's exactly how I feel right now, doing the best I can. Did I say something wrong? Did I go too far? Did I tell the wrong story? You know what? There's always going to be mistakes. Can I give you this? I made one little slide. I want to be sure to say this. When you've made a mistake, fix the problem. Don't fixate on the problem. Do you understand the difference? Fix the problem. Don't fixate on the problem. Say, this serpent was of my doing. I brought it into my life. Okay, well, maybe you did. Own it. Say, that, that was my bad. That was me 100%. Then fix it. But that's it. Don't fixate on it. Don't fixate on it. I like people, you know, they, they say things like this. Well, I'm a perfectionist. And they almost say that as if it's an excuse for their behavior. I'm a perfectionist. That's just the way I am. You know what I've learned? And I say this from personal experience. This is from me. I'm not saying this about you. Maybe you're going to have a different idea of what a perfectionist is. But my idea of a perfectionist, having been one for a long time in my life, you know what you're really saying? I am an expert fault finder. Now, to, just to be honest uh, or, or to be open about this, it's not that I'm finding faults in everybody else only. I also find them in me. But listen, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. That takes you from, from judging things righteously to being a judgmental, nasty, negative person that nobody wants to be around. The God of all hope. That's what our Savior is called. That's what the God of the Bible is called. The God of all hope. You know what he can do? He can teach you that even though serpents happen, serpents hide in the sticks, you don't have to go to every bundle of sticks looking for the serpent to bite you. Don't look for him. Don't fixate on him. Fix it when it happens and then move on. Which brings me to the last point today. Point three, you got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. Let's look at what Paul did here. Verse five, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm, which is why I've put the picture the way I have. That uh, campfire that was built there, Paul shook it off into the fire. Listen, that's where the serpent belongs. That's the end of the serpent, isn't it? One day that serpent, praise God, will get what's due to him. And that old serpent, Satan, the devil, he will be thrown into the lake of fire and we can get on with our eternity, blessing, praising, honoring, worshiping God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm looking forward to the day that we can shake that thing off and get on with enjoying God. Until that time, there's a great practical lesson to be learned.
when that serpent bites on, when that serpent hangs on, brother, sister, you got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. Listen, when you look at Paul's life, he had so many reasons that he could have sat at home and got bitter and held a grudge against people. People done him wrong. People jumped to false conclusions about him. The things that had happened just leading up to this, falsely accused, arrested under false pretense, beaten, whipped, shipwrecked. I mean, he had lots of opportunities to complain, but he didn't. But he didn't. How did Paul manage this? You say, well, Brother Mike, this is a miracle because you look at it in verse 6. He should have swollen and died, but he didn't. He just walked off with no harm. He felt no harm, verse 5. No harm. That is a miracle. Well, amen. I agree. In this particular case, it's a miracle. And there are going to be some things in your life where the, the serpent bites and you should be destroyed by what just happened. And yet God's grace is so faithful and tremendous and overwhelming. You can't even put words to how great it is to see God working. He gives you a peace, listen to this, a peace that passes all understanding. People look at that and go, we don't get it. How can you be bitten by that and not be destroyed by that? You should be swollen up, puffed up with anger and pride and filled with bitterness, and yet you're not. Brother, sister, that's the grace of God. But, and and I don't mean to, to put this on the same level, by no means. Because if you just do the human part of this and you don't have the God part of this, I don't think it's going to work out. You do have to recognize the supernatural aspect of the circumstance. God did his part. But Paul did his part as well. So what did Paul do? He shook it off. He shook it off. Sometimes, brother, sister, that thing that's been bothering you for so long, sometimes the reason it's still there is because you're keeping it there. You say, the serpent bit me. Yeah, but you're hanging on to it. The serpent's not hanging on to you. You're hanging on to it. And it's time that you just shake it off, that you realize, okay, it bit me, but God's grace is sufficient. I can get over this. You may not have the miraculous story to tell like Paul where you feel absolutely no harm. Listen, that thing might leave a mark and it might hurt for a while. It all depends on which snake bit you and how much venom it deposited into your body, right? Let's not make the mistake of thinking all snake bites are the same. They're not. They're not. Sometimes you take such a hard hit in life, it takes you a little bit to recover, to get back on your feet to gather yourself again. Sometimes you can't just shake it off and just immediately go on with life. Sometimes you get hit so hard, you need to spend a few minutes down on the mat. Have you ever seen boxers? You know, they, they take one heck of a, of a hook or an uppercut. And, and when they hit the ground, that's why they give them, you know, 10 seconds. You gotta gather yourself and they get back to their feet and they'll shake their head. They're shaking it, I mean, they just, they got rattled. You got to shake that off. Now, sometimes it takes a little longer than others to shake it off, but shake it off, you must. You say, Pastor, I got bit so hard. You know, this snake, it bit and it just hung on. Well, now if it bites, it's because sometimes a snake will bite and run. Have you seen that? It'll bite and run because it's scared and bite, run. Okay, well, you don't actually have to shake anything off. Bit, run, it's over. Some problems are like that. You get over it easy. Other times that snake bites and it won't let go. And it's just going to keep putting venom in you until you shake it off. Sometimes it takes a little more effort from you to get over that thing. Say, Pastor, you know, that thing bit me so bad it's going to kill me. And listen, some, sometimes, sometimes that problem, that disease, whatever that, I, I say disease because that's the most obvious thing that comes to mind. But sometimes that problem can be so big, yep, it's going to literally bury you. Die with honor. Right? You don't need to go to the grave with that, with that snake hanging on to you and going, look, everybody, look at how bad God did me. Look at how bad life is. Go to the grave praising God. Go to the grave saying, God, you, you, listen, you 
If you want to raise me up from this, you can. But if you don't raise me up from this, you're going to give me grace to die the way I ought to die. I remember years ago, Dr. Ruttman would go visit a lady in, the, in an old folks home. And she was on her last leg, last leg of life. And he would walk into that room and that woman was riddled with disease in her body in great pain every day. And the first thing he'd say when he'd walk in the room, he'd say, he'd say uh, Madam, let me hear you say, praise the Lord. You say, why? Because that's how you want to meet your Savior. I remember some years back, um, Franz, you might remember, he's dying of cancer. He was up there in the hospital. And I'd go to visit him, and I'd sit down on his bedside. And I, I remembered that story from Dr. Ruckman. And rather than ask him, rather than say, um, Franz, how are you? Man, I know how he is. I'd sit down there, and I'd say, um, Franz, let's talk about heaven. And, and the smile would come on that man's face and he would just start talking about glory to God and hallelujah and just start praising God for stuff. Listen, if the bite is that bad, all right, well, die with honor. Die with honor. Sometimes, listen, you take a bite. You, you, you get bitten, I should say. You take the snake bite. You get bitten and it's not something that you can just shake off and just go on. Sometimes that thing, you get bit and you need help. That snake can bite, and then some of those snakes wrap around you. You need help to get that snake off. See, I'm just going to shake it off. Listen, that, that snake might be too serious for you by yourself to shake it off. You say, but I'm tough. I can handle it. No, no, you're not tough. You're proud. Sometimes you can only shake it off if you get the necessary help. Say, Jesus, carry that cross. Take it up Mount Calvary. Climb to the top of that mountain holding your cross. You know what? Even Jesus needed help with that burden. Please, folks, please. You know what happens with a lot of people? Something comes on them in their life and they get, it's tough. And they're struggling. And they're carrying that cross that God has uh, allowed to come in their life. And they go, this is too heavy. I wish somebody would be here. to. And they start getting angry at everybody else. No one's helping me carry this cross. You didn't tell anybody that there's something going on. The snake bit you, and you went home with the snake hanging on you, and you didn't tell anybody that a snake bit you. Well, listen, if you need help, if that snake has bit you and wrapped itself around you, and now it's clinging to you, and you can't get over it by yourself, tell somebody, man, go get the necessary help. Call the medic. Call the spiritual medic. Call the medical team. That's why God, one of the reasons he put together a local church was so that we could help each other, bear each other's burdens. Let us help you. Don't let your pride cause you to die from that snake bite. Don't let that bitterness take root in you and then start defiling many. You start getting angry at everybody. Why doesn't anybody help me? Because you didn't tell us. Let us help you with the snake bite. Listen, some bites, some bites, they're not as bad as you think they are. That serpent bites and it's there. You look at it, you go, ooh, that's not nice. Now, all it takes is a little bit of effort. Just shake that thing. I, I learned this word yesterday. Skit, 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 skit. Just shake, shake that thing off. Shake that thing off. You don't even need to tell anybody. You don't need to go around, hey, everybody, look at this snake. Look, look at this hanging on my hand. Look at this. You don't need to run around asking for pity. Listen, I, could pro I probably had that same snake bite last week. And, and as everybody else in life, some things, it happens, it's bad, we get it, but you can just shake it off and go on. And, and you know what? Sometimes if you would grow thick enough skin, that snake would try to bite and it can't even get its fangs into your skin if you just grow thick enough skin. There are a lot of things in life that shouldn't bother us nearly as bad as they do. I mean, there's some things, they're so small, yet we turn them into something big. They're, they're gnats, but we turn them into camels. Guys, grow thicker skin so that doesn't happen. You see, I got cut off in traffic. Man, that ticks me off. And you lose your temper. You end up sinning because somebody can't drive as good as you. Really? Maybe that shouldn't bother you that much. You know, my boss, he was short with me. My spouse, you know, she said this or that. Man, just shake it off. Just shake it off. They had a bad day. That driver, they made a bad move. They made a bad turn. 
Say so-and-so didn't call me. I didn't get a message from so-and-so. Shake it off. Is it really that big? Is it, is it that bad that now you got to go from being a pleasant, positive person to being negative and nasty? Not that bad. Shake it off. Just shake it off. When I was a young man, I was eight years old, I joined my first bowling league. And uh, this was the first time I got introduced to the term within the sports world, shake it off. Now, I'm, I'm sure many of you, it doesn't matter what the sport is. I think I've heard this in every sport I've played. If it's a team sport, even sometimes individual sport, I hear this from the crowd. When you make a bad shot or a bad move, they say, shake it off. I was eight years old. I'm bowling. I would throw a bad shot. My dad would say, Mike, shake it off. You know why he told me that? So that I don't mess up the next shot. Listen, it's one shot. It's one shot. And I get it. I get it. Sometimes it was a big shot. Sometimes it, you know, it cost you the season. And that might sting a little more. Like I said earlier, it depends on the size of the snake that bit you. It may take a little longer to get over. I get that. And you might need some other people to help and console. I get that. But at the end of the day, you got to shake it off. Otherwise, the next time you get up to throw that next shot, hit the next ball, throw the next pass, whatever it is, you'll make a mess of that because you haven't let go of the other one yet. Got to shake it off. Say, Pastor Mike, I had a rough day yesterday. Amen. Don't let that day make this day equally as bad. What you do is fix your eyes upon Jesus and say, Lord, by your grace, today's going to be a much better day. And I get to walk with you all day today. I get to enjoy your presence. And no matter how many snakes come my way, you can help me overcome all of them. You said we'll tread on serpents. So God, you can help me just walk right over this stuff. Wouldn't that be a better approach? Sometimes you just got to shake it off. And shake it off, by the way, into the fire so that it doesn't come back. Don't shake it off. Put it in a box. And then tomorrow, go back to the closet, pull that box out and say, now I'm going to put this serpent back on my hand where it bit me. Man, bury that thing. Put it in the fire. Done. If Paul would have shook off the beast amongst the crowd, it could have gotten to them also. He shook it off into the fire. Finish it. Get it done. When I was 13, 14, I joined the football team, American football. And I'm sorry, you guys may not know the rules to football much. But in American football, of course, we have a touchdown that we're trying to make. And uh, I was the quarterback. So they gave me the ball and I scored. And I got across the, the, into the end zone. And that's for us, that's six points. So I'm in the end zone. And man, there was a pile of guys on me. It was painful. All these guys had fallen on me. And when I got up, I couldn't feel my left arm. They had just hit me just right so that the nerves had messed up. I could not feel my left arm. I jogged off the field. Well, there's another play. You have to run what we call the two-point conversion. And we needed these two points. And my coach yelled at me, Flick, what are you doing? Get back in the game. I said, coach, I can't feel my arm. He said, Flick, get in the game. He, he did not think that I was hurt that bad. I could not feel my arm. My replacement went in. The play went horrible. We didn't get the two points. Everybody was mad at me. Listen, I knew my limits. I took such a hard knock. If I had been in the game, I couldn't have held the ball anyway. This, my left arm didn't work. Sometimes you take such a hard hit, you'd like to just shake it off, but you can't. You need a little extra time. All I needed was one, one play to be on the sideline. The next play, I was back on the field. I was doing the best I can. I started to get the, it was just a, a stinger, you know. The, the numbness wore off and I was back in the game. I don't know what's bit you this week, this month, this year. I don't know how, how hard it's made life, how deeply it's affected you, how much it's broken your heart, how confused and frustrated you are. And I know you might need to take different steps to overcome it, but take those steps. Brother, sister, shake it off. Shake it off. There's no need to be holding on to that snake. Just shake it off. You don't need to run around showing everybody the wound. Go to the people that can help you with the wound. Rather take that snake, throw it in the fire and say, done with that. I'm done with that. You know, in closing, can I just point out in verse number six, these natives, they looked and said, surely he's going to swell up and die. And they looked for a great while. And then they didn't see any harm come to, come to them. 
you know what Paul did through this this small event? Because when you look at the other events in Paul's life, those were big things. This is a small thing. I'm sure in Paul's eyes, he would agree with that. Everybody thought, that's it. He's done. There's no coming back from this. But when they saw how Paul handled the serpent, they attributed this to something supernatural. Now, their conclusion was that he was a god. Obviously, that's the wrong conclusion. But my point in that is this. The snake bites, we're hurting, but we get over it. And it doesn't, it doesn't fill us with poisonous bitterness. It doesn't fill us with venomous anger and wrath. We're able to forgive. We're able to forbear with one another. We're able to say, listen, brother, sister, I know you may just had a bad day. We can get over it. I can shake that off. I can still fellowship with you. I, I still love you. And when people see that, they don't attribute that to something natural. They consider that to be something supernatural. And with that, with you surviving the serpent, you can bring great glory and honor to God. People can see the supernatural in you, the work of God in you. Brothers, sisters, we got to survive these serpents. They're going to happen. Listen, stay positive. And when they happen, shake it off. Shake it off and keep pressing on. Lord, thank you very much for your, your ongoing assistance. Thank you, Lord, that even though these serpents happen, and oh my goodness, do they happen. Sometimes, Lord, without us looking for it, they come out of every pile of sticks we pick up. Lord, help us, please, God, to stay positive. And by that, I mean to keep our eyes on you. Thank you that we know no matter where the serpent came from, you can use it in our lives. You can make something out of the mess. Lord, help us, God, please. It's not easy. Help us to shake it off and move on. Lord, we ask you, please, this rest of the day, allow us to fellowship with each other and with you and feel and experience your presence. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for joining in with the live stream this morning. You guys, forgive me. I didn't even pay attention to the time. I just preached. Amen. I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to find the time on here. I don't even see it. But in any event, don't forget, 6 p.m. tonight, we're going to have that lesson on the Hebrew roots. So please join us for that. Uh, that will be more interactive. If you have any questions during that lesson, you're more than welcome to type them in, and I'll do my best to address them. Amen. Thank you. So many of you use the chat section. That's very encouraging. I appreciate that. Lord willing, you have a great Sunday afternoon, and you'll see me tonight. <laughs>